Welcome to the Daniel Muggleton podcast. It's me. I'm Daniel Muggleton. I'm the guy uh, coming to you slightly later than usual, but I have a good excuse. I promise. I've just stepped off a red eye flight from Perth, Australia. The goddamn overnight flight. The 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 thing that in life seems like the greatest idea of all time. Saving money, saving time. You're gonna sleep on the plane. You're gonna function the next day. Everything's gonna be great. And then you get off that flight and just the struggle. The struggle begins. Uh, but let's dive into this podcast. Let's let's get cracking. Uh, I want to talk about uh, flying business class. Oh, that's right. Things are going well, uh, as well as a bit of Australia Day and some American sport because I am recording this in between the NFC and AFC championship games in the NFL. So let's get stuck into that. But before... We do. Uh, you know what we need to get us there? It's Verticoli. All right. So, taping this episode January 30th, Sydney time, 10.30 a.m. That's when it's all happening. And I've just watched Philadelphia beat San Francisco. The Eagles beat the 49ers. uh, And that means they are going to the Super Bowl. And the way that they've celebrated that is as if they've won the Super Bowl. Because it's American sports. I've never understood this. Like, look, it wasn't a great game, to be fair. Uh, 49ers lost... Their third-string quarterback, who was only playing because they lost their first and second-string quarterback earlier in the season, uh, they lost him. Then the fourth-string quarterback came out, was absolutely red-hot garbage. Uh, and then even he got injured. So the third-string guy had to come back out, but he couldn't throw the ball, which is pretty much 90% of the position uh, at this stage in the NFL's evolution, the offensive evolution. So it wasn't, it wasn't the best stuff. Uh, but they won. The Eagles won. They've been the best team all year, and they won, and they're in the Super Bowl. But fuck me, they go on about it, don't they? Like, I don't know if you're a fan of American sports, but basically, if you win your conference, which tends to be East-West basketball, NFC, AFC, NFL, uh, you 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 get a hat. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. You get given a hat that says division champ. Whatever year it is, uh, and you get a shirt that says the same thing on it, and there's a trophy uh, that is not presented to you, it's presented to the owner, which has always felt a bit awkward. Let's be honest, nobody, I don't think anybody feels comfortable with a rich guy accepting a sporting trophy on behalf of the team he owns because it just really puts the own in owner, you know, and given America's uh, checkered history with ownership, <laughs> checkered history with ownership, especially uh, between uh, the races that NFL team owners and NFL players tend to be, it's a bit awkward. Like I, I can't think of, I can't think of any other sport where the owner is kind of as prominent in the ceremony. Like, I understand the coach. I think I'm trying to think of Australian sports. I think the coach generally kind of gets up there first and then the captain has a couple of words. Then they hand out the most valuable player in that game and then everyone else kind of gets their individual turn. But in America, like the, the owner is the person who receives the trophy and then the players tend to receive like a championship ring. That's at least my understanding. Like the players don't get the trophy in their cabinet. Like it's not in their office, not at their home. They get their ring for their bit, but the owner's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I I paid half a billion dollars, $3.2 billion, whenever they bought the fucking team. I paid for the stadium. I got the artificial turf and I got you, I got you a big, big TV in the middle. So uh, yeah, I kind of scored 28 points out there, you know? 
that was that was mostly me. Yeah, I I, I put up some good numbers. You know, my passing my passing off the charts this year. It just, it does <laughs> it definitely does speak to like the American devotion to capitalism more so than like Australia or England, for example. Like I I don't even know who owns AFL teams. Does anyone? I think it's like a kind of a club. And then, you know, there's like a president, like a club president who's there. Like they're on the dais, they're around. But they're certainly not getting, you know, putting their grubber little mitts on the trophy first. Like, you know, these guys are billionaires. They get to go to the fucking moon on holiday. Like, do they really need the trophy? Like, I know that it's a tired observation that, when you get older, you realize you can just buy trophies and that way you're good at everything, right? Everyone, Everyone's kind of realized that. It's like, oh, there's a trophy store and you don't need to show them any kind of statistical proof that you're in fact the MVP. Like I could, you know, as a, as a total pussy, like buy several jujitsu trophies, a bit of karate in there. Why not? Just a taekwondo with a nice sidekick and I could get my name engraved on them. But, like, the billionaire owner seems to be just, like, the logical endpoint of that realization. They're just being like, hey, I, I'm not athletic, but I do have heaps of money, and I'm willing to buy achievement. <laughs> and I think, like, you know, them quietly getting the trophy, them being on the dais is fine. Because, like, you know, especially in American sports where it's a bit of an arms race. Uh, in terms of how much you're willing to spend with things like the luxury tax on the salary cap and all these things. Like, I, I get that they're contributing to the team, but I just really, I think they could have done it without them. I don't think there's been an owner in sports history that genuinely, like, genuinely affected the, the on-field performance. Like, come on. Like, is that is that an insane thing to suggest? Like, they don't even handle it. Like, they might have a hand in the trades and stuff and, like, selecting coaches. Like, they listen to the presentation. But they've got a fucking committee that they pay to make the decision. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... that That's awkward. But I, I, I definitely think the whole... Like, you haven't won the thing yet, but you still get a branded hat and t-shirt to show that you got to the... get Like... It's like you go into the Super Bowl and you and you've kind of won a thing already. <laughs> like it it really does lean into the whole Americans just fucking patting themselves on the back mentality, right? Like just being like, "Yeah, we are number 1 even though we're not number 1 yet. We're top 2. We'll celebrate that. We're top 2." Like, you know, chuck that in a fucking t-shirt. Just what do they do with them? <laughs> Like, imagine, like, the Eagles, they just got their NFC champion 2023 t-shirts and hats, and they've got them on, and they're feeling great, and they're going to the Super Bowl, and they're like, man, can't wait to, can't wait to get a new hat next week. And fuck me, I'm sure with Americans, you get, you get a hat and a t-shirt anyway. They come out there at the end of the Super Bowl, you've lost by 40, you know, your best player's done his knee, and your owner's going to sell the team, and it's a fucking nightmare, but they still slap a t-shirt on you being like, runner-up 2023. Just to, just to eventually merchandise, you know, just to end up on some kind of sports auction slash eBay Craigslist type scenario, when you when you kind of blow through your money because your financial advisor was just your brother and didn't actually know anything about finances, but you know your mum told you to keep it in the family and you listened. <laughs> I don't know how many sports movies I'm describing, but I'm going to suggest a couple. Uh, but anyway. I guess I think it's just weird as an Australian because like you know if there if there is anything that we detest as a culture it is in fact patting yourself on the back even having your back patted by others is an awkward experience so the idea like you know my team made the AFL grand final this year and we won the preliminary final which is how you qualify for the grand final in like the most nail-biting thing ever but to suggest to 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 suggest that I want to stand there afterwards. And they stand there afterwards. I've watched the post game in the NFL. Every motherfucker is still in that stadium. And it can't just be because of poor public transport options leaving. 
Like, they are there in that stadium watching their team, except, like, it's not even second place. It's like, it's just a lock that they're going to be top two. <laughs> that, like, I'm not even a reality TV guy, but is that, like, on The Bachelor? Like, it's just, like, you both get a rose and then next week it's the final, but everyone gets a fucking ring anyway? Like, I can't, I can't find the analogy to express that, like, you haven't done it yet. Like, that's the... Like you, if you were, if you were running a marathon and with one kilometer to go, you were winning, you wouldn't get handed a hat and a t-shirt to be like, I was the leader. (laughs) It just, yeah, something, something about it really bugs me. Like, is it, is it just because then they can like sell those t-shirts to the fans? Is that, is that being too cynical? Is that... Is that being too just kind of like this is just a money making thing for X? You just got to get like if the players don't wear it, then the people who are the fans won't buy it, and therefore the owner isn't making their money back. You know, a trophy doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> a trophy, a trophy is not enough. These are billionaires; they got to make a profit as well, obviously. Anyway, um, I am tired. Uh, I did take the red eye from Perth. I was just at the Perth Fringe World Festival. Uh, I, I mentioned that last week on the pod. I had I had another good week of shows. Uh, if you were in Perth and you came through, I do really appreciate it. I'm running in a new show after I taped the special, so it's a bit, you know, it's a bit rough around the edges. There are definitely a few things. Uh, that I just kind of start saying, and everyone's like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Um, But yes, that's what's happening, and it's going to keep happening in Adelaide and Canberra, and then Melbourne, finally back to Sydney, then Perth again. Why the fuck not? Uh, We'll do do the whole cross-country thing. Uh, But yeah, so I just just flew back this morning. Uh, If... I talked extensively last week about just how far away Perth is, but the one benefit of that is that you can catch a red eye out of Perth. Perth is three hours behind Sydney, so you can get a plane at about 11 p.m. there, roll into Sydney about 6 a.m. here, and you don't pay for accommodation. You don't spend a single extra second in Perth, which is the real bonus, Uh, and then you get into Sydney and can start your day. Uh, the idea that I have a day to start at 6am on a Monday is fucking absurd, but hey, let's imagine. Uh, so we got the red eye, I was with my wife, and she was like, hey, why don't we bid for the upgrade? Because, you know, hey, you know how you can do that now? I think, I think that's a worldwide thing. I, I, I could only assume so, that if you, you know, get your economy ticket, the airline will email you being like, would you like to bid to fly business? Uh, you can use your frequent flyer points, you know, because they've created a whole economy for us to participate in. Uh, and she was like, should we just bid for the upgrade? And I was like, you know what? Actually sleeping on that plane sounds terrific. So yeah, let's fucking do it. And we won. Like, we won. I felt like I did nothing. I mean, they were her points and it was her idea. So I really did do nothing. Basically, I'm like an NFL owner. I did, didn't do much, but I did hold the trophy. <laughs> I did get the business class seat. And look, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know if frequent flyer points are just like a fraud or a light. Like we, we treat it like it's money that we've accrued and we have to be careful about how we spend it when it's like, bro, it's like attached to a fucking airline. Like this isn't real. None of this is real. There's never been an alimony check that included frequent flyer points. Footnote. Uh, I said that to my wife and she was like, no, 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 that's totally a thing. Like when people get divorced, they like add up their freaking flies and like divide them. That's like part of the settlement. And I'm like, that is fucking crazy. We have gone too deep inside this pyramid scheme. But anyway, we got it. We got the upgrade to business. Uh, I, I don't know how you guys perceive my career to go. That is not the way I usually fly. I'm like you. When I get on a plane and you walk through business, because they always make you walk through business just to see what you could have achieved. Um, I always I always have a look, and I evaluate who's in there. I'm always very curious about who is flying business. Like, are they are they suits? Like, are they like genuinely just like businessy looking people? 
Like they, they look like frequent flyer people. They look like athletes. They look like and it's like you know really running that assessment. You know just that, just that incredibly human thing where when someone is getting treated better than you, you need to figure out why and how and whether or not you can replicate that reason. That's the thing with business class, right? You're walking through, be like, ah, oh, you're pretty old. You must have just flown like in the 70s when frequent flyer points and status credits weren't a thing. You know, you just you just kind of accrue, like in the same way, it's like home ownership. It's like, you didn't make better financial decisions. You're not smarter than me. You, you are richer than me by val- virtue of the fact that you're older, but like you just kind of got in here at the right time. You got in at the bottom floor and here you are uh, with, your, with your status. And then some people are like, okay, you're a suit. You must fly all the time from work. You work's probably paying for this flight. That's chill. Uh, so that, I'm not usually in business. I've flown business one time in my life uh, before this. It was not a chance upgrade. It was a, it was a gift when I was... I think when I was 20 or when I was 21, uh, when I was still at university, I was flying to Europe and my dad was like, hey, I'll buy your flights to Europe as like a birthday slash Christmas present slash uh, I just had like a good year at university uh, and gotten off, like gotten onto basically the free, the free stream of being a law student instead of the stream we have to pay money. So he was like, hey, I'm going to reward uh, this with your flights to Europe. And I was like, brilliant. That's so good. Um, gives me more money to spend while I'm over there. And he bought me business class flights. Now, you guys are probably like, oh, man, that's so nice. Slash, oh, man, Dan's dad's loaded. But you got to understand, I was a I was a 20-something person. Uh, I'd spent several high school years flirting with communism <laughs> and other socialist ideals which at a at a at a private school is like vaguely as contentious as being homosexual you know that's that's a vibe when you're at an all boys private school and you're like ah what about this goddamn proletariat you bourgeois dogs like you know that's that's a move um so when my dad got me business class flights to europe i was incredibly self-conscious and ungrateful about the whole thing i can look back at that now as like hey he had some cash. He wanted to treat me to something that most people don't get to experience ever. Uh, and I was just such a fucking brat about it. I was like, Dad, I don't want to fly business. I, like, I felt self-conscious about it. I, th- I, I thought of myself being someone that someone else walks past. <laughs> you know that thing? Like You're just like, oh no, someone's going to walk past me in a business class seat and be like that fucking spoiled brat. And the thing is, clearly based on my reaction to this lovely gift, they would have been fucking spot on in that assessment. Uh, who says judging people's wrong? It's not. You're usually right. Uh, so um, I was like, no, can you please? I like, just exchange. I don't want like, I just felt so self-conscious. And he was like, no, like that's what I'm giving you. You can either take the flights or you can book your own fucking flights. And I spoke to my friends and they were like, Dan... Your dad got you a present. Just say thanks. <laughs> That's all you need to do in that situation. So I, I got it. But like just because I accepted the gift doesn't mean I now embraced uh, the the privilege of flying business. Like I don't remember, you know, getting around the lounge. I don't remember trying to take advantage of it. Like I just remember just being... Just being so aware of the fact that everyone would know I don't usually fly business and just trying my best to fit in. You know, just just that. Just that thing where it's like, man, I hope I don't look like a fucking peasant up here. Like just that scene in the movie where the, the person from the working class background goes out with the rich person, meets the family, and there's just heaps of cutlery. Just, you know, just like row after row of cutlery and they all pick up and start eating and they're just staring like which which fork is the right one for this moment, right? That was me in business class just being like, how do I become a business class person when I'm a ratty 20-year-old university student who's about to go, you know, 
on several pub crawls in Europe, right? That was the level of culture I was willing to absorb. Just like, yeah, Prague, fuck, beers, how cheap? Sick. Like, how do I just dull that, just dull that, and then work my way back up once I get into, like, how to be proper and then how to get properly shit-faced as soon as I land, right? That's what I was, that's the line I was trying to draw. And the other thing is, is my dad, I don't know, I don't know if you've got parents, I assume you might, uh, you know that thing about how parents, when you're doing a new thing, because I'd never been to Europe before, I'd never been on a flight of that kind of length before, uh, this is, this is all new, right? And it was like the big trip, you're going away as an Australian, big deal, other side of the world, you're going to Europe, you're catching the long plane, it takes 22 hours, like this is, this is a thing, right? Um, I was, I was asking my parents for advice. Well, look, I say asking. I would pause occasionally in conversation. And they would tell me things I needed to do, you know, like parents. And so my dad was like, you've got to be very afraid of deep vein thrombosis. Now, that's shortened to DVT. Deep vein thrombosis is a fairly rare medical condition that you can get when you're traveling on a long-haul flight, when you're very stationary for a long time. It is very dangerous, but incredibly rare. However, uh, a recent Australian cricket captain, Steve Waugh, had suffered from the condition while flying to Europe. And as my dad still, you know, heartwarmingly considered me a lapsed potential professional cricketer, I was clearly likely to go down with the same ailment. So he was like, what you need to do is stretch every 30 minutes on the plane which in a 22-hour flight would mean 44 instances of stretching, like I'm trying to fucking rehab an ACL. <laughs> it was like, you got to stretch. And the other thing is I've bought you these compression socks. Um, basically, compression socks, uh, they go high, like up below the knee, like just to really fucking emphasize the private school nature of a 20-year-old flying business class to Europe. Uh, you wear them all the way out to below the knee. It compresses the blood vessels and everything around the calf, so you're less likely to get DVT, right? I didn't want to wear the socks. <laughs> I was like, Dad, I'm 20 years old. I'm not going to get DVT. I'm not going to wear fucking long socks. I already feel like a dork as it is, you know, because you're, you're a young person and everything is a potential cause for embarrassment. So I was like, I'm not wearing the fucking socks. He said, you are wearing the fucking socks. I said, there's no way I'm wearing those socks. And then I got on the plane wearing the socks. <laughs> was that... I would love to know. As always, I love it when you guys get in touch with me um, on the podcast. If anybody actually managed to successfully stand up to their parents on something... Please tell me. I, I can't think of a single instance where I genuinely got out of hand. Like, even now, <laughs> it's rare. Like, if my mum or dad really put the fucking screws on me, I'm just like, all right, whatever, fuck it, you know? Like, that, just that thing where it's like, I'm right, you're wrong, but there's no way to possibly escape this situation without doing what you want. That's it. That's the best I got. I can't think of a more clever way to put that uh, at this level of sleep deprivation. But I was wearing the socks and I was sat in business class and next to me sits down uh, a very, a very old lady. Um, I, I looked at her and I'm like, yeah, you look like you've worked. You've had a long life. You're flying a long haul flight. You're in your 80s slash 90s slash infinities. Business class is exactly for you, right? This is exactly who should be sitting here. Look at me, this fucking child. What a fraud I am sitting next to you, stealing a seat from what could have been another pleasant journey for an old person. Blah, 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 blah. I started talking to her. Um, well, I mean, let's be honest. She started talking to me. You've met old people. Uh, <laughs> and we're talking about where we're going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she, was, she was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, she'd, she'd immigrated to Australia, which was very young. Uh, she'd, she'd 
I don't know if she'd never been back to Europe or like very rarely been back to Europe. And all her kids had pitched in together to get her a business class flight back to see the family that she'd left behind. And like, (laughs) have you just ever had like all your worst fears come true? Like you feel like such a fraud in business class in the first place. You feel like such a spoiled person. And then you meet like an old lady who's doing this for the first time. And probably, let's be honest, the last time. And her whole family has chipped in to get her there. And you're there being like, for fuck's sake, I hope she doesn't notice the socks, you know? And we're talking, and uh, she was great, and she was so excited. And then I wish... (laughs) I wish this was an exaggeration. She's like, yeah, my kids, though, they're so annoying. And I'm like, yeah, I think my dad would probably agree with that assessment. Um, She goes, yeah, they... They keep trying to get me to wear these fu- wear these socks. <laughs> she pulls out a pair of compression socks. And she's like, yeah, but you know, how old do they think I am? I don't need those. And there I am just rolling my jeans down, <laughs> just trying to cover every inch of my fucking socks sitting next to her. So that was my last, that was my last experience um, in business class. A very self-conscious experience. A very oddly guilty experience. I don't know, that fucking cultural Catholicism stays strong, you know? If something is good, you must feel bad. Uh, you know, you, you, you've been there probably. Um, so this time, it was kind of the opposite. Because like, hey, i just been at a comedy festival. It's all gone quite well. Uh, my wife's with me. We've had a nice time. She's got the points. She's bidded for the upgrade. We want it. Like, that's... That's easily the best thing about the fact it's a bid system. It's not like, hey, you can use this many points to upgrade. It's like, hey, you want to bid? You want to you wanna do like the fucking meat raffle thing, but with a prize people care about? Hell yeah, dude, you go. And I was like, man, we've won this thing. So we just, we just basic bitched it. Like I, I have no, <laughs> I have no better way to describe it than that. We just straight up, Basic bitch to being like, oh my God, we're business class. It means we get to go to the lounge. Let's get to the airport as early as possible. You know that thing where you're like looking up what time does bag drop open? Not time, not what time does bag drop close? What time does it open? Because you're like, I'm getting there. I'm getting in early. I'm setting up. I'm expi- like just the, just the hotel buffet breakfast experience. But you know, given a given greater scope just really taking advantage of all the perks of the business class offer um so we got the lounge uh we check in like so early we're in the lounge we're sitting down we're having a drink we're doing the whole thing uh we're getting the getting the food you know i don't ever been in a lounge once before uh, and i fucked it because i didn't realize they had food you know that thing like it is very annoying that That no one is prepared for a nice experience. Like, no one who's not used to it expects a certain level of treatment. Like, you're just like, hey, everything's a bonus. I have to do this myself, right? But as soon as you get treated, like, you just, you would never consider it. It's like, we we went gold-class cinema. We got, like, tickets with those Diamond Discover vouchers when COVID was a thing. And they were trying to, you know, keep people moving. And we went to gold class and we picked up our drink and our popcorn. And then we went to gold class and they're like, oh, we give you guys a drink and popcorn. And you're like, fuck. Why did nobody tell me? Why did nobody tell me that you were going to do this for me? That it wasn't my responsibility anymore. So that was the thing. I've been to lounge one other time and I ate beforehand because I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get hungry in the lounge. And they got food. And that's it. Let's be honest. The lounge. I think I idolize the lounge because I'm a big dummy. I never got into the frequent flyer thing for ages, even though I fly for work a fair bit. And I hear about all these other comedians with lounge access and status and all these things. And I'm like, man, that's the life, you know? Having a special room in the airport where you can go and shower if you're some kind of psychopath. Uh, or more realistically, just sit and charge your various devices before embarking on the flight. 
but I've always kind of idealized it, I think. Um, and having experienced the lounge yesterday in Perth, like, I don't know if Perth just got a particularly like shitty lounge or something. I have heard that Qantas lounges like aren't that good. I don't know. The one I went to in London was primo. That was like, hey, here's a menu of things. Let us know what you want. And I pointed at one thing and the waiter was like, oh, is that all? Whew. Man, I was, I was hard. You know, that's a, <laughs> that's a level of treatment this boy isn't used to. And so we're in the lounge. I got a, I got a theory. I got a theory about the lounge. It's just the flight. The lounge is just the flight, but on the ground. It's like the exact same offerings. It's like, hey, would you like alcohol? It's free, but you can't kind of get loose. Like, it would be inappropriate to get loose on it. It's like, hey, would you like some food? It's fine, but it's not good. And like, you're 90% sure that it's loaded up with that stuff to stop you shitting. Like, hey, would you like to be around people that you don't know and that you are probably closer to you than you'd like them to be? Like, it's it's just the flight. Like, it's kind of like the trailer for the flight. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's in no way kind of an elevated experience. It's just, instead of having to wait for the flight in a food court, you're waiting for it in the belly of like a really big plane, you know, like that's, that's all I can think of. Cause it really, it was just, it was just that it was just sitting around with food that isn't that nice, but definitely isn't bad kind of drinking alcohol. Cause it's free. Like you just, you don't really want to drink, be like, fuck it. I may as well. Right. And then you just there and like, you can't really choose the entertainment. There's just some TVs that you can read your book. Like it's, it's very much like a trailer, <laughs> just a trailer for the flight. And I was there being like, ah, oh, this isn't this isn't so great. But you know, um, a girl can dream. I still I still hope to one day be a big old status boy. Uh, but then it was time for the flight itself. And I was pretty excited for the flight, because the one thing I did remember from the thing when I was twenty is that the is the is the horizontal bed. The 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 chair goes flat. Like you ain't fucking around with that five degree recline anymore. This is this is the real shit. This goes flat. And that was the one thing. We, before we bid for the upgrade, we checked. Because in Australia, a lot of the business class on a lot of the planes, especially domestic, is just... I don't know if this is universal. Just those brown chairs at the front. You know? Like, it's... In economy, it's like three chairs next to each other. In business, it's two chairs next to each other. And they're kind of brown leather as opposed to, like, blue synthetic whatever that is. And it just looks like I have no idea why anyone would ever think that's worth it. But this is like an A380 kind of plane, the full recline, the full little capsule thing, right? So I'm I'm pumped for the horizontal. We get there, we we mainly upgraded to sleep, but then as soon as we took off, the guy's like, "Hey, do you want anything?" And I'm like, "Yeah, give me it all, bro," because that's the thing. I'm still. <laughs> I'm still at that point with any kind of luxury where I'm like, this could be the last time. This could be the last time I experience it. So fucking give me everything, you know, give me everything you got. I'll duck in. Yeah. I'll eat even though I'm hungry. Yeah. I'll have a crack at that even though I don't want it. I just don't want to skip this because you know, it's been 13 years between business class flights I don't know if it's happening again. I want to I wanna crack at it. So I was just eating, again, just that 6 out of 10 airline food. I think they give you like metal cutlery in business because they're like, hey, you're not going to do anything naughty, even though all the 9-11 hijackers flew first class. Not important. Uh, so um, just eating away. And then it was time to... This, this is how you know you kind of get conditioned a little bit, right? It was time to recline the bed. I was hitting the button. Oh, man, I forgot. When I was in the lounge, I tried to get hot water out of a tap. Again, all I'm doing in this airline lounge is acting in a way that would make people think, or that I thought would make people think, I'm in the lounge all the time. That's my whole, I just never want to look like the new guy in the thing. 
I never, you, you just, you don't want to, you don't want to ask a question. You just want to figure it out quietly so nobody knows you're new. And if it takes a little bit longer, that's fine. You just don't want anyone to look at you and be like, oh, this person is in need of help. And in the lounge, I needed hot water for a tea. There was like a weird, I'd never seen it before. It was kind of like an elevated tap, but with four buttons. And I could see the hot water button. I hit the hot water button. Then the button opposite that, there was like there was like two hot waters at like three o'clock and nine o'clock. And then cold water at six o'clock. And then, I'll be honest, a symbol I'd never seen before and will probably never see again at 12 o'clock. I don't know. It seemed like gas. It seemed like you could just kind of soda stream your fucking water and i was like there's no way this is great but i'm not pressing it right i don't want anyone to know so i hit the hot water button it goes red the other one starts flashing across from it and i'm like oh so i'm just holding it down for ages like a dick right no water's coming out nothing's happening i hit the other one and then the other one starts flashing and i'm holding it down for ages nothing's coming out i'm like god damn it i hope no one comes up behind me they're gonna know and then i hit both of them at the same time and like one of them's flashing, one of them's kind of held and it kind of switches and I'm like, oh shit. And then like a little bit of water ju- like juts out. And I'm like, oh, it's time. So then I, put, I do double again and double again. And then this lady taps me on the shoulder. She's got a name tag. She's got the Qantas logo on it. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. She's like, can I help? And I'm like, yes. I want hot water for my tea. And she's like, oh, you got to press that button. And then hit the opposite one to hold it. So like you you press the three o'clock and then you hold the nine o'clock. And that makes, wa- I don't know if it's like a fucking safety feature. Like no kid could even reach this thing. Like I don't know how it could be like an accidental hot water situation. But she helped me out in front of everybody. And then everybody started pointing and laughing at me. Because uh, obviously, that's how that works. <laughs> Everyone immediately dropped what they were doing. And like, look at this fucking guy. Doesn't even know how to get the hot water. I bet he's never been in the lounge before. You going to be okay on the plane, champion? I'm like, ah. So I was on the plane. And I was trying to recline the seat. And I was like, it's not going. It's kind of bumping forward and back. Like, And I just kept trying to convince myself that whatever level of horizontal we were at was as horizontal as it was going to get. And I'll be honest, at every level, better than the reclining economy. Every single position the chair got into with the weird thing with the feet coming up and the thing going back and the bottom sliding forward, every single one of those was so much better, so much better than the reclining economy that I was like, this might be it, this might be it. And the thing, I didn't want to fuck around with it for too long because, again, I just thought the guy was going to come and be like, can I help you, sir? Like the fucking kid on the bumper cars who just can't get it. It's It's just going around in circles. He just can't straighten it up. He can't find it. There's no power steering. It's the 90s, these bumper cars, no power steering. He just can't make it happen. And I just didn't want to be that guy as the grown-up, you know? Because I've, I've been that kid. I've been the bumper car kid. That's happened to me. I was also the kid on the on the water slide. You know, there's always one kid on the water slide that other people come up behind. Like, they're going down the slide too slow. Like, somehow I just lack the density to get down a water slide at a sufficient speed. So people are banging next to me, and I look like I couldn't handle sliding. <laughs> like, what? How do you even do that better? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I could have done to improve my slipperiness. But I think that's where this deep-rooted, hey, I don't need any help. I'm fine, thanks, comes from. And yeah, I was just constantly just hitting this button. It's like kind of going, halfway going. And I'm like, man, this business class sure is good. I'm at a weird like 30-degree angle, but my feet are kind of jutting up. But then, oh man, it got flat. It got so flat. Does that sound sexy? I want it to sound... It got so flat. I just... It was beautiful. You know? It was just... It was completely flat. I'm six foot two. I... I I didn't have to... I didn't have to bend the knee. 
I could be as straight as I wanted to be. I could be as straight as my private school would have loved you to be. (laughs) 100% straight, flat out. Ooh, what a dream. But there was a twist in the tale. There was a final bit of tragedy, which was they came over loudspeaker and they were like, yeah, sorry, we took a little bit uh, to take off there. We're slightly delayed on the takeoff. The reason is uh, we've got a really short flight time today, three hours, 20 minutes. Otherwise, we would have been circling above Sydney because you can't come in because of the curfew. And both my wife and I were like, what? Three hours, 20. We did the upgrade for this. We thought it was going to be five hours, like the way to Perth. We're missing 90 minutes of business time. There was a 90-minute change. And I've said this to people. I was like, really? Like, that's such a strange difference. That's crazy. Like, oh, it's just the wind. That is an insufficient explanation. I'm sorry. Turning a five-hour flight into a three-hour, 20-minute flight, the wind is insufficient. Yeah, there's wind. I've heard of tailwinds. I know it affects records in athletics. But 90 minutes? 90 minutes. That is, what the fuck is going on? That's, what? what's that as a percentage? 90 minutes out of that? <sighs> Almost a third? Almost a third. Difference because of wind. And the other thing is, they're like, yeah, otherwise we'd have to circle above Sydney. Fucking circle. Bring it on. I'd love you to circle. I'm in business class. I'm horizontal. Fucking circle for days. On the, on the runway, I'm a pleb like every other cunt. That's every other flight I've ever taken. I had one shot. I had one shot to be a business class person. I lost 90 minutes because of the wind. And I didn't even get my circle time. I would have loved my circle time. I wouldn't have even known I was circling because I was so fucking flat. That's unbelievable. Anyway, that was my... <laughs> That was my experience, flying business, getting the points upgrade. I've never won anything. Actually, that's a lie. I won one thing. Ironically, it was a mystery flight when I was in primary school. You know, primary schools have those raffles. I won a mystery flight in year four. Uh, It was just one of those things like, hey, you go wherever. And I lost the envelope, so we never went. (laughs) So this was my first win. The points upgrade, my wife's points going flat in the lounge, but then 90 minutes were taken away. I had an incident with a tap and still, somewhat impressively, I feel like I've turned it into a loss. (laughs) I'll take a break and be back with Australia Day. Just to really put the icing on my little business class adventure, uh, I forgot to tell you, the entire time that I was in business class, the entire time as people filed past me uh, to get to their seats as I was feeling very self-conscious, knowing they were judging me the exact way I judged them, I was wearing my merch my own merch because i ran out of t-shirts in perth i had a big old white t-shirt with my face and my name on it in huge writing and i was wearing my custom tracksuit pants my custom daniel muggleton tracksuit with my head uh printed down the side in repeat kind of ticker uh type graphic like it's like a cartoon um that's what i was wearing (laughs) i was just there just trying to like cover it up with my arms as people filed past it was genuinely outstanding uh those t-shirts if you do want them are available on my website www.danielmuggleton.com.au they're shipping worldwide you tell me where you are i send you one that's how it works. I've always wanted to figure out how to mail a letter. Uh, all right. 
Australia Day. Australia Day happened. Uh, Invasion Day, if you're feeling frisky. Uh, that happened last week. I was in Perth for it. Um, for those of you who don't know any kind of Australian history, uh, Australia Day is a holiday uh, where... It's, it's our national holiday. It's Australia's national holiday. It falls on the 26th of January because uh, that was the date that the first fleet landed in Botany Bay in Sydney. Uh, obviously, to celebrate that day uh, has drawn some criticism and some anger from our Indigenous population because they were here and we came. And as I've put it eloquently uh, in my comedy previously, we were cunts to them. Uh, which is which is a very glossy way of saying, you know, we killed them uh, and took their land, and now we're kind of still on it. Uh, so yes, that is that is the day. Um, it was not a very contentious day as I was growing up. Uh, you generally would just have a party. There was a music countdown. That's how it worked. Uh, but it has become increasingly contentious. There are uh, countrywide protests uh, against it that you can attend uh, with Indigenous speakers and whatnot, and there's a big push to change the date. Some people have pushed May 8th as the date we should change it to because May 8th, mate, get it? Get it? It's like the Australian word mate, huh? This is why we can never become a republic. We're the Bodie McBoatface of countries. We get given an opportunity to choose a national holiday and we're like, oi, what if we make it like, mate, like we fucking call each other mate. Yeah, that'd be sick, mate. All right, sweet. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm being too harsh. I think it's a, I think it's a, horrible, uh, a horrible suggestion. Um my my wife reckons we could change it to the date that we choose to change the date. You know, kind of little little dateception there. Uh, so if you choose to change it, the problem with January twenty sixth is that it's it's a very good distance from the new year while still being during summer. Because remember, in the southern hemisphere, so it actually does kind of line up quite nicely there. But I I reckon February is probably a good option for it. Um, you know, I. I see no reason to continue celebrating on January 26th if it alienates our indigenous population. Uh, I think if you're the kind of dummy who reckons after we change the date, uh, everything's going to be fine, uh, then you're also a bit of a fool. Um, this Australia Day I spent on a boat in Perth uh, attending attending a... pro. Uh, a protest of sorts. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. It was just a bunch of boats docked uh, on the Swan River in Perth. Uh, if anything, I would argue they were protesting the idea that we should change the date because they were like, nah, it's a fucking sick day for a boat, mate. Um, I've never seen more jet skis than I did on that day. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connotation between Perth and bogans and jet skis. And fuck me... Uh, did that stereotype ring true during my time there? More jet skis per capita than I've ever seen. I don't think I went a day in Perth without seeing a jet ski. In Sydney, I don't think I've seen a jet ski in the last year. But in Perth, bloody, there they are. Um, so it was quite funny. Um, <laughs> it was quite a fun experience with Australia Day in Perth because um, they're just... They're just a bit less worried about it. Uh, I was I was getting driven around in an Uber uh, the day before Australia Day, and the driver was talking about how they've cancelled the big firework display this year. They did a drone show uh, instead. Drone shows are replacing fireworks, and they're going to replace us soon too. But that's neither here nor there. Um, they they had cancelled the big fireworks show, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I just I just don't get what the problem is. You know, it's not our fault." Uh, what happened 250 years ago, you know, we're not responsible. Um, but he did have quite a pronounced British accent, so um, he is kind of responsible. <laughs> More responsible than me. More responsible than me. Uh, I enjoyed that from him. I thought it was quite fun. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were on 
we were on a boat. Uh, my friend Amos had a boat and he invited me out and we had nothing better to do really. So we went, went on the boat. I like to think while it might come across as slightly disrespectful, uh, it is actually very respectful um, because all the protests that you could join uh, occurred on indigenous land. I was on the water. Uh, so, so I vacated it uh, for the for the inappropriate time. I did come back the same day, which which does kind of you know have uh, first fleet implications, I guess, especially because some of the people I was on the boat with were British. So we kind of went out and then came back to shore together in the evening. Um, so you know, I think I think generally, what I what my what I might attempt to do in the future is uh, be on a boat for the entirety of Australia Day as a, as a sign of respect. I Look, I didn't feel 100% comfortable on the boat. It did, it did feel a bit celebratory for a day that I worked. You know, like I did a show. I didn't, I didn't treat it like some big public holiday. Like I had a, I had a show that night. Uh, I, did, I did all my all my favorite material about colonization, which was fun because uh, it was, you know, for the good people of Perth who were kind of like, oh, awkward. Um, but yeah, just the one thing that got me with Perth's Australia Day experience was the sheer amount of Australian flags. Now, it's been brought to my attention various times that Americans fucking love a flag. Yeah, they just love a flag, bro. They just like a flag as a way to express that they're American, and as an American, they're happy to be an American. And what better way to symbolize America than with an American flag, right? So that was that's something I've learned. They got flags for days. Um, if you are an American listening to this, or even... Look, I think the UK and Australia are quite similar in that in a sporting context, the flag will be present. But outside of that, it's generally a pretty good indication that you're a a white supremacist is probably too far, but certainly, certainly... Try to figure out how to put this delicately. Something a white supremacist never needs to worry about. How? Just, you are white. Let's start there. You are white. <laughs> if you have the flag, you're definitely a white person. And I would argue the majority of your family are white and the majority of your social circle are white. And that isn't an accident. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Like it's just got a bit, a bit of a nationalist connotation, um, and so it just makes me a bit uncomfortable. Now, again, in Sydney, very rarely see an Australian flag. Uh, in Perth, I saw one attached to a pram. I saw one attached to one of the many jet skis. I saw uh, at the boats uh, on the Swan River. There were definitely like a lot of Australian flags, a couple of WA flags as well. For some reason, I think the state flag is kind of more acceptable than the Australian flag because if you like your state enough to know what its flag is, fuck all power to you. You know, you could ask, I couldn't tell you what the New South Wales flag is. It's, don't have the idea, it's not like, it's not like America with like Texas where the Texas flag is like substantively different to the American flag. Like in Australia, it's just basically the Australian flag, but instead of the Southern Cross, which is the stars that we have across from the Union Jack, it's like the state symbol of something. In WA, I found out that's a black swan, uh, which is an which is an elegant bird <laughs> for the for that state. Like I don't think that necessarily symbolizes its values, especially considering it's black. Uh, <laughs> just just putting that out there. That doesn't seem to be what WA is about. Just ask all the South Africans that suspiciously moved there in the 90s. Um, so, 
New South Wales, I don't know. I assume it's a Waratah because that's our state flower, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, a lot of Australian flags. This is the thing that I find weird about being a big fan of the Australian flag. It's got the Union Jack on it. It doesn't, it doesn't really feel that much like our flag. Now, there's been suggestions and calls to change the flag in the past. I think people have talked about putting the kangaroo on there, putting maybe the coat of arms on there, which is a kangaroo and an emu. Uh, the kangaroo flag is generally used uh, at, at sporting events, like you said, the boxing kangaroo. Um, doesn't seem appropriate for like the actual flag. Because, like, you know, military people have the flag on their arm and they're going there to potentially die to protect their country. And a cartoon kangaroo just seems a bit weak source uh, for that moment. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the weird thing. Like, we don't, we don't have our own national holiday in the sense that Australia Day is the day that the British arrived. Now... Even though you could argue that has a fair bit to do with what Australia is, I would argue that we've actually come quite a long way since then. In 1901, we federated. Uh, January 1st is the date of that. That's why we can't use that day because we've, we've already got a day off. And as much as we'd like to be progressive, we're not going to sacrifice a day off to do so. Uh, or at least that's how it's been explained to me by various online publications. So we've, we've, we've got the date they landed as our national holiday, which doesn't really denote anything that has happened in a, that has happened in Australia for the last 250-odd years. Um, certainly no good for the Indigenous population. But even as the non-Indigenous population, it's like, I don't really think when a bunch of English criminals arrived and began to establish a, co uh, a colony in New South Wales, like, that isn't really in, in any way connected to what we stand for now. Uh, which is a strong mining industry and proximity to Southeast Asian holidays that are all-inclusive packages. <laughs> like, and the flag, it's funny because the flag is a symbol. That's what a fucking flag is. Good one, Dan. You're a fucking red-hot intellectual. But the fact that the Union Jack is just there on the flag and the Southern Cross is the other thing there on the flag is a pretty good indication that we haven't really thought beyond being a British outpost in the Southern Hemisphere. It's a constellation you can see from anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere. And it's the Union Jack, which is the flag of the United Kingdom or the British Empire, depending on how you want to look at it. So I kind of think we changed the date, we changed the flag. Let's be our own thing and obviously with the queen dying earlier this year it does seem like the opportunity is ripe for us to become a republic but then i think about when given the opportunity to self-identify uh generally we you know think of mullets and blue singlets and drinking beer and I'm like, maybe we're not ready to choose a flag. We're, maybe we're not ready to have a little grown-up flag. Maybe we're just going to have our parents' flag, but customize it a little bit, which is what we have. But, like, I mean, if you were to think about what Australia really is, then I think, like, you got the Union Jack in the top left, but you probably uh, want to chuck the American flag, the the Stars and Stripes, in the top right, because... You know, in regard to foreign policy, that's kind of who we're aligned to. And in, in regard to, you know, our safety in the Pacific, we are certainly reliant on them. And then, I don't know, what, like, do you, do you take the bottom left corner in another way? Like, in some kind of, you know, we're, we're a country in Asia, as, as much as we might like to pretend we're in Europe. Do we take, like... You know, maybe maybe a Chinese flag because I'd I'd say, and I can't say this a hundred percent sure, that the Chinese would be our largest group, like in terms of where other people have immigrated from, and where we, you know, export the majority of our goods. Uh, they go to China, and where we buy the majority of our goods from. Like, is that it? Are we just kind of a patchwork quilt at this stage? <laughs> just three other larger countries with more defined identities that we're kind of attached to historically, 
economically and militarily and then the southern cross because you look up and that's in the sky and you're like oh isn't that nice (laughs) i don't know it's a weird day it's a weird day because yeah it just makes you think about that it makes you think about I feel like America just has, like, such a defined narrative compared to Australia. Like, they've got their own problems, don't worry. But, like, they were a colony. They were, like, a specific kind of subset of weirdly religious British people who thought the Brits were a bit naughty. And so they went across the ponds and established their own weird religious country. (laughs) that's the one thing about we kind of think like american land of the free home of the brave whatever it's like nah like land of the religious home of the prayer you know like it it's a religious country and it's awkward to bring up because we're not religious and we rely on them for our culture but press on uh but they were there and the british controlled them and they didn't want the control so they did what Americans still do to this day and armed themselves to an unnecessary degree and shot things. And they took the power of their country back. They took over. And now they celebrate Independence Day because it was a day of hard-fought independence from the British. And they got the Stars and Stripes to represent the various states of the Union and the stripes are, I think, something about honesty. Who the fuck knows? Uh, and that's them. And like Canada, who, as anyone who knows me know, I just think is called Australia. Uh, I heard someone call a Canadian a snowbogan, and I've never agreed with anything more except that maybe we could shorten it to snogan so we can say fucking snogan. Uh, you know, save ourselves the syllable for the swearing. Why not? Uh, they... I think they just, due to sheer proximity to America, uh, have kind of got slightly more independence than us. Uh, And at the very least, like the flag, like it just, it's red, it's white, there's a maple leaf, this all makes sense. But I just don't know how you could do the equivalent in Australia. It's green, it's yellow, it's got a, I I guess a kangaroo, like some kind of outline of a kangaroo. Like, do you just have the Southern Cross? Like, then it'd be a bit like the Brazilian flag. Like, we're just so bad at defining ourselves. And I think that's the one thing that really bothers me about Australia Day. Because obviously, you know, the fact that we celebrate a day that's hard for the indigenous population is no good. But if you did then ask me to define us as a country and to choose a date that means something about us as a country, I don't know what it is. Like the date of a fucking sporting victory, the day that David Boone drank 42 cans of beer on a flight. Like, mate, is that the best we got? Fuck it. It sounds like, mate, the date is May. It's the 8th, May 8th, mate. Mate. Ugh. What do you put on the flag? What day do you choose to celebrate it? I don't know. All I know is that I was on a boat and I didn't enjoy it. So I'm pretty sure that means I'm not part of the problem. And before you ask, the reason I didn't enjoy it is because it was someone else's boat and being on someone else's boat is like being in a room with other people who you kind of know, but definitely didn't invite to that room, and then someone locks you in there. Like, it's a really nice room. Like, don't get me wrong. The breeze is blowing in the room. Like, there's a swimming pool. Like, there's a kind of moat around the room. But however however which way you cut it, you are still locked in a room. And to leave the room, you have to convince somebody else to use the key, and it's difficult because they're busy chatting to everyone else in the room and you're just stuck there and stuck there and uh, that's my thing that's one of my that's one of my great fears 
just not being able to leave a social situation. It's a hostage situation, albeit a gentle one, but a hostage situation nonetheless. So I didn't enjoy myself on the boat, which means I didn't celebrate Australia Day, which means I'm not a piece of shit for another year. But hey, do I have a better idea? Not really. So you know what, Perth? If that flag gives you a sense of identity, you fucking wave it, champion. You wave it loud enough that you can hear it over the sound of your jet ski fucking fanging it. Just fanging it. Up and back and up and back again in a in a sense of repetitive enjoyment that I can only imagine. <laughs> All right. We got it out. They said we couldn't do it. I kind of half fell asleep on the couch watching the first half of the Chiefs and the Bengals, but I wanted to get this thing out because when I said it comes out every Monday, it comes out every Monday. Uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please do take a second to rate it on Spotify, especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, we've racked up some good ratings over there, but yeah, chuck it on old Spotify and share it with some mates because we're growing this thing uh, every single week this year. We are growing it and I hope you enjoyed it. And my name is Daniel Muggleton. Grab me on social media if you haven't already, at Dan Muggleton on Instagram, TikTok, whatever you like. And if you want to drop us an email to talk to me about anything, or if you have a good suggestion for a date, good suggestion for a date or a flag, why the fuck not? Dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. If you contact me, you get me. There is no agent. There is no PR. There is no manager. If you want me, you got me. I'll chat to you next week. Verticoli, take us away. It's time.